Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot, connect to more. It's four o'clock. Welcome to Tutel and Nuanes, Montana's only statewide sports talk show. Broadcast on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Western Montana and across the state on SWX Television. I like football! Now, sports talk from Montana for Montana. Live from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. The boys are bad. The Wolf Pack, very good. And we jump into a new segment on business and sports. Hi, how are you? It is Tutel and Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television across the state. Outstanding to be with you. Thanks for letting us ride along with you here on this very fine Tuesday afternoon. If uh, you would like to participate in the show, we would be so very happy for you to do just that. If you want to call, 361-3688 is the phone number. 361-3688, the phone number. All guests join us via the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. If you'd like to pick up, uh, if you'd like to get on Line and get in the stream. You can do that as well. Listen live anytime you would like to at 1029ESPN.com. You go there and uh, you check out the stream. You listen anywhere you are, anytime you'd like. You get the uh, radio station live and this show even in the afternoons during the week. Thanks to Opportunity Bank of Montana. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Let's take a look at what we got in the show today. First of all, we're going to get into a little NFL football, a just disaster, a meltdown in uh, Big D last night as the Arizona Cardinals rolled in and did whatever they want, and they are basically the sixth 
team to do whatever they want to the Dallas Cowboys last night. We'll get into that and a quarterbacking change in Miami, which I find to be just foolhardy. So we'll get into that. We also, at the bottom of the hour, very excited to start a brand new segment with our friend Justin Angle, business professor over at the University of Montana. We are going to do the business angle every other Tuesday. We are launching it here today with you talking about business and sports, the economy, the commerce of sports, and uh, and maybe tie that back into Missoula and uh, hopefully some current event stuff too, just sort of, you know, as we go through and things come up, we can pick uh, the brain of somebody who's got a lot of space uh, to, to pick from in that brain of uh, Justin Angle's and his business world and uh, everything that he teaches. We can learn a little bit from somebody who knows something so that'll be great looking forward to that we also will get into uh, a little bit of soccer the state soccer tournament the semis are ongoing right now in fact the bozeman hawks girls soccer team fell to kalispell glacier 2-1 in overtime the first semifinal, a, a girls semifinal. so kalispell glacier is into the state championship game beating bozeman a bit of an upset perhaps in that uh, soccer game so we'll get to that top of the hour our uh, coaches corner grady bennett the head coach of the glacier high wolfpack they are 5-1. and one. They play Sentinel, and uh, every week is just the biggest week of the year at this point, and this will be the last regular season game, and why not? It combined 11-1, and one, these two teams. Glacier's lone loss to Helena. They beat their rival Flathead last night up there in the Cal- in Kalispell area, and uh, so will the head coach of uh, the Wolfpack, Grady Bennett, going to be with us, and also Game 1 of the World Series. Tyler Glass now and Clayton Kershaw. Can Clayton Kershaw exercise some postseason demons tonight? We shall see soon enough. Six o'clock that game. We will have it for you right here on ESPN Radio. Hi, Coulter. What's up, guys? Not too much. Um, I have some thoughts. Okay. Can I spill these to you right now? You can. The Dallas Cowboys are on pace right now. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. to give up the most points in the history of the NFL. Now, that is a little bit deceptive because points in general and scoring has just continued to increase, increase, increase over time, especially recently. So you might actually expect something like that to be the case, but not Dallas. I mean, talk to me about the Jets, maybe Cincinnati. They got a terrible D. The Falcons, awful defense. Minnesota. <laughs> Not the Dallas Cowboys, bro. And 38-10, to 10, a team, Arizona, who we know has a lot of talent, but hadn't looked great the last couple of weeks. And they walk in there, get a couple just, I mean, inexplicable and really unforgivable, football unforgivable fumbles from Ezekiel Elliott last night. Put up 38 points in an absolute blowout that isn't even a game. I mean, the, ten, the touchdown that Dallas scored was, what, mid, late, you know, five minutes left in the game. You know, so this this was a disaster and much has been made about the Cowboys and where are they at and what's going on uh, in Big D. And there's a lot. I mean, first of all, one thing that was very noticeable to me and it's not all on him, but the step from Dak Prescott to Andy Dalton is just I mean, it's just it's stark. It's stark. That said, you got nobody that can play defense. You lose. What was it? Tyler, was it Martin that went out last night Zach on the Martin. Zach Martin yep. on the offensive line, yep. and he was the fourth of what was supposed to be four Pro Bowl for sure to All Pro caliber guys. None of them there. None of them. Right. And that's you know that you you can't overcome that. I understand that. There's but there's talent out there, and they just look terrible. And now and now, the NFL Network, Jane Slater reporting that players have been 
starting to voice their discontent with the coaching staff, with Mike McCar- with Mike McCarthy, with Nolan, the defensive coordinator. Uh, quote, that they are, quote, totally unprepared. They don't teach. They don't have any sense of adjusting on the fly, end quote. That's one player. Another one saying, quote, they just aren't good at their jobs, end quote. Um, for all that was made of Jason Garrett and what he wasn't as a head coach and all this, this is an awful start for Mike McCarthy. And not just for Mike McCarthy, but for the whole staff. I mean, you got Kellen Moore, who, you know, is a young, bright guy who I like a lot, but he clearly, well, first of all, they were doing fine offensively. So I'm not going to put a lot of this on Kellen Moore, but all of a sudden the lens looks different when you got a 33 year old guy standing there on the sidelines getting blown out of football games. Mike Nolan, who has not done particularly anything recently when it comes to the defensive side of the ball all of a sudden comes up there and they're just giving it up like an absolute sieve and Mike McCarthy who you know doesn't look all that different whether he's got a mask on or not like he's just always just sort of blank you know up there and has got no answers and this staff feels like they are the ones that are responsible in a large part for what is going on and you know who else is responsible sitting up in the booth sitting up in the suite Jerry Jones, who just can't get out of his own way when it comes to who he pays, how much he pays him, and and then when guys don't work out or you have something go on like this, there's no there's no recourse, there's nowhere to go for this Dallas Cowboys team. So it is not good in Dallas right now. Also, I mean, benefit of the doubt, Arizona's really good, man. They they're, are. They're not though. They are good. They are. They're pretty okay. They're good. Yeah, I said really yeah. good. They're not they're, really, really they're good. Pretty, they're good. They're pretty okay. They're a solid team. Uh, I was took texting with my brother about this this morning. Brooks Nuanas from SkylineSportsMT.com. Oh, good name drop. And uh, to me, this year, more than any other year in the NFL, is putting on full display how important coaching is in the NFL. Mm-hmm. The reason I think the Cardinals, I think that if if the Cardinals wanted to take the next step, Cliff Kingsbury needs to go hire a assistant head coach who runs the defense. Well, because he's, Joseph is basically that, is right. he not? But the Cardinals, to me, they are explosive, talented, and they look out of sorts a lot. They don't have a lot of flow. It, it, they're sort of a feast or famine team. When they're rolling, they're rolling. They were rolling last night, especially in the first half. The Cowboys, all the teams that are as bad as the Cowboys are on defense have definitive personnel deficiencies. The Vikings are not good on defense because Daniil Hunter was lost for the season before the season even began. He's the linchpin of their entire defense. The Falcons aren't good at defense because they don't have anybody. They don't have any players in the secondary. The Jets aren't good at anything. But the Cowboys, Demarcus Lawrence was second in the NFL in sacks last year. Dontario Poe is an above-average to elite interior guy. So is Tyson Crawford. They have I know Leighton Vander Esch and Sean Lee have both been out, but they're back now. Jalen Smith, that that those three guys, that should be the best three line three linebacker trio in the NFL in terms of talent, and they're not. And so what I'm watching, I mean, they signed Alden Smith, they signed Everson Griffin. They, they don't though have anybody they can cover really. Exactly. I mean, it, it, I I, I swearing so. so there's several different aspects here that I want to talk about. One, I've never seen an NFL team, never, that truly can't get lined up correctly. 
That's a, that's amazing. That, that's a that's a mediocre college team problem to be misaligned and just be giving up gash plays, not because of missed tackles, not because of the spectacular plays. Like the play is seven yards old by the time you even figure out which gap to be in. That's unbelievable in the NFL. It doesn't happen in the NFL. They they are so out of sorts in the way that they're aligning. Number two, they have three guys on their staff that have some form of secondary coach in their title, either defensive backs coach, corners coach, secondary coach. I have never in my career at any level seen where you have more than one coach per position group and have it ever work well ever. It's too many voices. There's no such thing as good co-defensive coordinators. It's not a thing. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as good co-offensive coordinators. You can't. It's not. I've never seen it work ever at any level of football. They have three DBs coaches. That, to me, is directly indicative of why they can't line up. They're not getting the calls in right. And again, this is a high school problem. <laughs> and they're the Dallas freaking Cowboys. It's hard to even believe. But the, then the last point is, one of the most fascinating parts about the NFL to me is when you establish something that looks so good on your resume and then you ride that to the height of your profession as a coach and you never live up to it ever, 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 but the league still refuses to believe that it was just an anomaly. Mike Nolan was the defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens way back in 2002 when they won the Super Bowl. Mike Nolan had very little to do with that. Ray Lewis and Ed Reed had a lot to do with that. You know, I mean, they, they were one of the great personnel-wise defenses in the history of the league. Mike Nolan rode that for 18 years. He became the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. He... After he was fired in San Francisco, he was fired as the D.C. for the Denver Broncos. He was fired as the D.C. of the Miami Dolphins. He was fired as the D.C. for the Atlanta Falcons. He's never been a good defensive coordinator since he didn't have Ray Lewis. Not one time in 20 years. And he's still the defensive coordinator of Dallas Cowboys. What I'm saying is you got to believe what you see. That's a results-based business. Adam Gase has never been a good play caller ever except for when he had Peyton Manning. Maybe it's not Adam Gase. Maybe it's Peyton Manning. It's the exact same thing with all these guys on the Cowboys staff. Joe Philbin was a Disaster. Joe Philbin won one Super Bowl in Green Baby, but it wasn't Joe Philbin, right? You would agree with that. It's Aaron Rodgers. I would like to go higher than that. I would like to say Mike McCarthy has been carried yeah. for the last eight so, years. So that was going to be my last thing yes. to, to come back around to. In terms of head coaches, has there ever been a head coach that has a Super Bowl ring that has fallen as far as Mike McCarthy? Well, give it four more years to watch what happens to Bill Belichick without TV 12. <laughs> Shots fired. What do you think about that? I don't believe. I don't, what do you think about that? I, Hard reaction after a loss I, to the Broncos. I do not believe that it would. <laughs> I, here, here is how bad the Dallas Cowboys are. I don't think it's possible for the New England Patriots to ever be as bad as the Cowboys are right now defensively. Oh, it's 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 not possible. You know why? Because it's never happened before for any team right. to be as bad as Dallas is right now. This very second. And again, they're on pace to a lot more points than anybody. That is no, it's 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 really really bad. They, the other thing too, like if I'm looking for mitigating circumstances here, Dak goes down with a terrible injury last week, mm -hmm. and they they kind of rally in the moment, and also it's easier to rally against just a putrid New York Giants team, but they get that win, okay? But now like the week of preparation, and it's like okay, like. Dax out. Andy Dalton's the guy. We're going to go, and, and 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 this is what we have to deal with. And I think that there was a very real, um, you know, emotional 
let down. I mean, they in addition to playing poorly, they were not present as as you need to be as a football team to me yeah. last last night. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott fumbling the ball is not nobody did anything special. No, he had, he just just gave it up, you know. And the the excitement, the energy wasn't there to to even play the game. And I I think you know you have a hangover from losing a guy who is a real leader on that team, and so. I, I do think they'll be better than what they shown last night, but I'm also there's no question they're just flat out a bad football team. I mean, the, to be better doesn't mean being good. It just means they're that it's 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 dun for Dallas. And what's hilarious? I love how we both think this is hilarious. They could win their division and go to the playoffs. Absolutely, six and ten, baby. Six and ten. Six and ten playoff team. And you know, here's the thing. And then though, what's everybody going to say? If you look at the other trash, if you look at the other trash teams in the league, though, the Cowboys. If you combined all the best players at the other five worst teams in the league, they still wouldn't have as much talent as the Cowboys do. That's the whole issue with the Cowboys. But, but the pro- here's the problem with the Cowboys: they have three very good to elite wide receivers, maybe even four. Who who cares? What do you even need that for? Like, if you could trade out two of their three ace-wide receivers for a top-five safety and a top-five corner, yep. you'd be double double the team you are right now. Well, first of all, they should have signed Earl Thomas, but obviously nobody wants to do that right now for whatever reason. There's a lot of reasons, but most of them we can't talk about on the radio. Uh, the, the other thing I think gets lost sometimes, though, is that when you make a systematic choice to play a certain style, it impacts the other side of the ball. In other words, when you have the definitive best offensive line in the league and you run a ball control offense, it helps your defense so much. Yes. Yes. And the, the, the way that their defense is designed in terms of the personnel is it's a built for speed defense to win games that are high school or that, that are, it's it's all about putting pressure on the opponent because you're going to grind the clock. You know you're going to march the field, eat the clock, and convert at a really high rate at all levels. That's one thing. I've always been a Dak Prescott uh, critic, but uh, it's one thing I do think he's one of the best in the league at is converting on third downs. If you have manageable third downs, which they did at their peak because they could run the ball so well, but when you take away Teron Smith, you take away Zach Martin, you take away Marco Colombo, you take away Lyle Collins, you take away all these elite offensive linemen, it skews the entire way you're you're built to play. That's right. You're you're absolutely right. Stutel Nuanas, one oh two nine ESPN radio. I want to go now to another football team that is making a dis- Before we do this though, I mean the last point on this. This is gonna be the biggest train wreck in the league. Gonna be. Well, I know, but the fact that the leak is already happening now though. The, the reason I hate the Cowboys is the fact that the Cowboys are so nauseating in terms of the amount of exposure they get. And they're just going to burn. <laughs> if, the, if, the, if the players really have completely lost faith in the coaching staff after six games, good luck. Good luck. Uh, okay. This is, this is a different story here. And... I was trying to think of a way that I could understand this, and I almost got to a point where I could understand it, but ultimately, this is just dumb all the way down. The Miami Dolphins are going to make a change and go with Tua Tagovailoa at quarterback. Now, 
I understand you drafted two of fifth overall. I understand the days of waiting two, three years as an understudy, even when you're a first-round draft pick, are way, 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 way behind us. I get all that. But they just won the Miami Dolphins. They're coming off of two straight wins. I think 62-17 to was the combined score the last two weeks with the Miami Dolphins. Ryan Fitzpatrick is the the seventh-rated quarterback in the league through six games this year. Seven. What are they four and two right now? Maybe three three. And three. Okay. I don't know. The Dolphins aren't going anywhere, regardless of who's quarterback, in terms of the broad scope of like chasing a championship or even making a deep playoff run. But you know what? They're a playoff contending football team right now. Like this, they 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 are. Yep. And to take a guy who's not just playing well, but you can see like that the Miami Dolphins players rally around Ryan Fitzpatrick. And by the way, I think they're going to rally around Tua as well. I think everybody likes Tua. And I think Tua and Fitzpatrick, for the for the roles that they're playing, have what appears to be a very, very good working relationship. You saw Ryan Fitzpatrick cheering for Tua when he got in last week, the last couple of minutes to go in and make his you know NFL debut or whatever. But it's easy to cheer for a guy when you're, when you're thinking, like, this is my job, and he's just going into – you know, get a couple of snaps here as we run out a clock in a in a dominant win. But I I truly like all, all joking aside, and I talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick being my spirit animal or whatever you know, and 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 you know the beard and the 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 whole the Harvard thing, all of it. And I love all that. But the reality is, he's playing really well. He plays incredibly hard for however old he is, which is old by NFL standards. Putting his shoulder down to get a first down and taking a hit or even giving a hit. I mean, dudes love that stuff out of their quarterback, and he delivers. And you know what? He's just gotten better and better. Now, I know that Ryan Fitzpatrick, more than just about anybody, has the ability to go 400 yards and four touchdowns this week and 180 yards, one touchdown, and two picks and a fumble next week. Like he, he's shown that throughout his career. His, his number one knock is just inconsistency. But you know what? He's been great this year. Like, all the way through, he's been a really, really solid force and galvanizing, I think, for this team. And I think not just because of his play, but because of who he is, this team is playing a little bit above their their weight class right now in terms of their performance. I know you want to get Tua out there. He's coming off an awful hip injury basically one year ago, just under one year ago. It makes sense because they're going into a bye this week, so you go, you got two weeks to prepare. You make the announcement so that, you know, everybody's on the same page and you can, you know, you don't have to have, you know, all the questions going back. But I just think it's crazy, man. Like, if you got a good thing going, keep going with the good thing. And and what's the rush? Like, where? what are you going to – I mean, is it just so that you can get eight, nine games of playing experience? And that's valuable. Maybe that's what it is. And maybe that's the right call because this guy is the future. But – my impression is that you can learn and learn a lot, especially as a rookie quarterback with a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick out there and doing it. It would be great, certainly, to be out there playing. But I don't know, man. I, I, I don't like this move out of Miami right now. I really don't. I think you keep rolling with Ryan Fitzpatrick until it's it's obvious that either 
he has sort of like hit the wall in the season that sometimes does happen or that at some point your team just clearly isn't going to be good enough to really contend for a postseason berth if in fact that turns out to be the case but as long as they're in contention I mean they're the number two team in the AFC East right now and as long as they are in that spot I think you got play the guys that give you the absolute best chance to win, especially the quarterbacks, and there's no question that today, Ryan Fitzpatrick is your better option than Tua. There's multiple stories on ESPN.com about this with no quotes from Brian Flores, which I find fascinating. Some people that I follow on Twitter that I respect their football opinion a great deal. I mean, Gil Brandt, for example, he's one of the, yeah. the veteran scouts great. in the history of the NFL, <clears throat> and he said, he tweeted today, Brian Flores should write the book about how to mentor a rookie quarterback. thought that was a very interesting tweet. I'd love Gil to elaborate. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's hard to do in 140 characters. All you can do it's on amazing, Twitter but this guy's like 90 and he has Twitter and he's like the best guy on Twitter, but that's, <laughs> that's here nor there. Um it, when the when the Dolphins lost to the Seahawks and they were down thirty one twenty or when they lost to the Seahawks excuse me thirty one twenty three and they were one and three, that would have been the more uh, expected timing for this. Mm-hmm. To me, I think that the narrative that Tua Tagovailoa was not healthy when he was drafted by Miami and when he arrived in Miami is true. To me. I think they had all intentions of starting Tua Tagovailoa from the the very moment that they knew he was good to go, and that moment has to be now because they just they just destroyed the Jets. They did, I mean I know it's not an impressive feat this year, but they've won two in a row, forty three seventeen over the over the Forty ers and twenty four nothing over the Jets. They I mean I, th- I think they have an emerging star Miles Gaskin at running back. They have good pieces, and. Fitzpatrick obviously has the locker room behind him. So if you're going to do this, and here's the thing, though. We're talking about coaching in the NFL. Brian Flores is one of the most impressive coaches in the NFL to me. Been, been great. Yes, He's he been has. great. You can tell yeah. his players love That's right. him. Yep. They play their butts off for yep. him. And so... To me, I think that that's it, it, this must be all about what's happened behind closed doors. What's going on in practice? Well, the only the only thing, and it, maybe maybe this is more to your point, but there's only one guy to me that you have to to really, uh, I think, have both in the loop and and treat with a great deal of respect in in regards to this, and that's Ryan Fitzpatrick. For two reasons: one, it's the right thing professionally to do, especially with a veteran guy who's played well for you. But two, because he does have the backing of the locker room. You need him to be the one who says, guys, this is the right thing. I knew that this was coming, and I'm excited for Tua, and we're going to roll. We're going to roll with Tua, and we're going to go do it, and I'm here if you know if we need it. So if he says that, that quells anything, you know, and I, I'm not saying that there's anything like, you know, locker room divided or something like that. I'm not, I'm not suggesting this. I, I just think that you sometimes invite that when guys like a guy and who that guy's playing well, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you're two for two right now with Ryan Fitzpatrick in that respect. So I think if unless at the very beginning, they said, Ryan, here's the deal. We're playing you. We think you're great. We're excited about it, but we're only playing you because he is still not 100% totally cleared to go. And the moment that he is, no matter if we're 0-6 or 6-0 and or 8-0 and 0-8, and whatever it is, he's playing. That's it. And if you know that from the very beginning, then, then you know, 
doesn't it it's it, it it quells any sort of I think sort of big time resentment. Obviously any competitor is gonna be frustrated they're not playing, but um and, and if that has happened, then so be it. That's that that's merely speculation though. You know, it's merely speculation. On the outside, I look at this and I hate the move. I hate it. Does the fact that Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, who else? There's several really young, first or second year quarterbacks mm-hmm. that are playing really well. Yeah, Kyler Murray, sure. Does that have an influence on this? Well, I mean, I don't know. It's the trend. If you take if you take a, a top 15 pick and use it as a quarterback, he's playing. Like, that's just what it is. But also, very often, if you're doing that, you don't have a guy who's playing well at quarterback on your team otherwise. And in this case, Miami does. It's a real luxury, especially with a guy coming off that kind of injury. So I think you just ride Fitzpatrick. There's an article on The Athletic last week about the legend of Tua Tagovailoa, how... uh, popular he is yeah it proclaimed that he's the most famous and popular and revered miami dolphin since dan marino he's never even played in a game by right. the time this article came out yeah and I, you just I, have to wonder if that's no, part of it as well and i gotta say i'd love to i think two is going to be a very good pro quarterback i think he's going to be i think I mean, he's going to he, be he very could, good he could be transcendent well he could be hall of fame he could be a hall of famer i'm not saying any of that i love Tua. he's the guy i just don't know that he's the guy now not in not now All right, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we're going to get ourselves a brand new segment going, The Business Angle with Justin Angle. Justin Angle, Angle, a uh, professor of business at the University of Montana. He's got a podcast, The New Angle Podcast. You can listen to that, and he's going to join us here every other Tuesday, every couple of weeks. We're going to check in and talk a little shop with Justin, the crossover, the intersection of business and sports, which we've seen now maybe more than ever with uh, what 2020 has brought us in the sports world. So we'll go ahead and get to that. But one last thing right here, right now. And, man, I mean, we live in a pretty good life over here. I'll tell you what, Coulter. <laughs> it's Tegliary Tuesday. Indeed it is. New edition. That's the sandwich the we new got edition. here. This is roast beef, Swiss, grilled portobello, spinach, and horseradish red pepper aioli. Open it right. You want, you want to go have one second. of these down? Tagliari Deli. Tagliari Deli's best sandwiches in ever. I mean, not just in Missoula. Some of the best sandwiches I found on the planet of Earth. Um, <laughs> right there at the corner of, of Higgins and Beckwith, uh, right by the roundabout. Here's the deal. Oh you, go ahead, you go oh ahead. Boy. You go ahead. You uh, go ahead. We are going to eat this, but we're not just going to eat this in front of you and make you, you know, uh, uh, just jealous. I mean, that's part of the goal, certainly. But what we're also going to do is hook you up. You give us a call right now, 361-3688, 361-3688. Got a gift card for you to go down to Tegliari yourself. You can get a sandwich, maybe a bottle of wine, something to drink. Very nice situation down there. 25 bucks over to Tegliari Deli, 361-3688. Give us a call right now, and we will send that out to you, all right? Man, you got to get yourself one of those. Order Satisfying? that. Order that. <laughs> New that, edition. That horseradish red pepper aioli, <laughs> that, <is> like, <laughs> that is spectacular. I got to find where to get that in a bottle. You can put that on everything. Take a quick break. Business Angle, Justin Angle next. 
What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot, connect to more. You know, sometimes <laughs> it's just the way it goes, man. You know? What's wrong? That's when the sports centers come through when they come through. Usually they're here, sometimes they're not here, and then sometimes that's the way it goes. Liz's okay. voice has been on this show before, but never heard person she's been trying to avoid it she was just on she just had to walk her and do that so there you go uh to finish the last little bit of that um glacier girls just beat bozeman girls two to one in overtime so means glacier is headed to the state championship first state championship yeah. ticket punch is, is that a bit of an upset to uh, uh absolutely glacier yeah, yeah no, bozeman? That, that, that's two two upsets in as many in in the span of about three days because yeah. you had uh you had Hellgate knocking out Billings West. Billings West top seed, absolutely the favorite. Yeah. And then Glacier knocking out Bozeman. So those are the two teams from the east going down. So Hellgate girls remain alive. Hellgate boys remain alive. Sentinel boys remain alive. So we'll give you updates as these games proceed. Sutel Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. We are very happy now to jump into a brand new segment with our friend Justin Angle, business professor over at the University of Montana. He joins us on the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. Justin Welcome in, my man. Good to have you here and excited to uh, start this thing with you every every other Tuesday. Do the business angle, the cross-section of sports and money, and maybe even Montana as well. How are you? I'm good, fellas. How are you today? Yeah, we're doing great. We're happy to have you on. Uh, we uh, always like talking to you about all kinds of stuff and are happy to kind of formalize this thing and kind of get some, uh, some regular hitters here. Uh, we'll get into uh, what sort of the broad sort of topics that we have, you know, kind of lined out both in general and then for today as well. But let's start with the New Angle podcast. You drop the New Angle podcast every Tuesday more every Tuesday morning. So a weekly podcast. Been doing that like a year and a half. Awesome podcast. Best co- podcast in this town out of Western Montana. Who's on the who's on the docket today, Justin? Yeah, so we released an episode this morning. Uh, October is uh, what's called Co-ops Month. And it's basically trying to raise awareness for uh, the co-op business structure. And so we have three pretty prominent co-ops in, in our community. Um, and we wanted to celebrate those today. So we had Jack Lawson, who's the CEO of Clearwater Credit Union. Jason Williams, who's the CEO of Blackfoot. And Mark Hayden, who is the leader over at Missoula Electric Co-op. So the three of them came on. We had a good conversation about all things co-ops and what those business structures, um, how they operate differently and how they can, um, you know, provide value for their customers and members, but also have the uh, ability to do a lot of good for the community. And those three organizations and those three leaders are particularly good examples of that. So that was a, that was a really good conversation this week. 
No, that's fantastic. Well, if you're if you're not already, get on and subscribe to a New Angle podcast because this is the best thing going. Great and and really interesting people <laughs> coming through on that thing. So go uh, go give that a subscription and uh, and listen. It'll be well worth your time, especially when you talk about sort of the regionality, the localization of that thing. You can get podcasts from all over the place, but it's nice to get something that's here. You know what I mean, uh, Justin? Yeah. The business angle, that's what we're doing here. And you and I and Coulter kind of all got together and started kind of idea sharing and thought, you know, it's remarkable that this pandemic has sort of revealed what we kind of always knew, but it's sort of in the background very often. And that's the financials behind sports, whether it's professional, whether it's, you know, collegiate. A lot of times when we talk about professional sports, the money is really more about how good a team can you get with contracts and maybe salary caps and that sort of thing. Obviously the collegiate level, there's a lot to get into there about, you know, is, you know, are coaches being paid too much? Should pairs get played at all or not or why? And, and, and that, but with this, it feels like some of the, the economics of sports has been pushed to the forefront. And we thought, hey, you know, maybe this is a, a spot where we could use somebody with some expertise from the business world to sort of line that out for, for us. So give us some just sort of initial thoughts about this, the business angle, and what you think kind of this, the goal of this is to some extent. Yeah, well, Ryan, I think you're exactly right that the pandemic has sort of sharpened up our focus on a lot of the, the business and kind of market dynamics of, of a lot of our daily existence. I mean, when this thing started and we were sort of um, told to go into shelter in place and we sort of shut the economy down and so forth back in March and April, I mean, the idea was like, hey, can we just pause everything, Right. Can we pause our jobs? Can we pause our activities? Can we pause the things we have to pay for? And, and that sort of feels good, uh, and it sort of has some intuitive appeal until you start to think about, like, well, I can't really pause everything. I can't pause my mortgage payment. I can't pause the fact that i got to um, put food on the table, right, and produce food and, 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 and things like that. And so it kind of became clear, like, how – interrelated all of our existences are. And if you think about sports in particular, I mean, each professional sports league is a business. And within it, it has a lot of different businesses, the individual franchises. I mean, you look at collegiate sports. I mean, these have huge um, business implications for the way universities operate. And so you're seeing all of these entities over the course of the summer kind of figuring out how to navigate this um, this sort of moment that we're in. And we're sort of living through a real experiment. And so the three of us sort of thought that it would be kind of interesting to talk about that, but also use it as sort of a platform to launch a broader conversation about um, understanding sports through uh, a business lens. And that could be useful for sort of understanding how maybe from a fan's perspective, how organizations are making decisions right now, how individual uh, players, coaches are making decisions right now, et cetera. Yeah. The, the dynamic of the affiliation and pageantry and connection of fans to college sports, I think has sometimes then belied the fact that college sports themselves are also businesses. The, the reporting on, the financials of professional sports has been big business itself for a long time. Player contracts, some of those popular stories that are out there. Um, salary caps, what teams are spending on their payrolls. You know, sure. all, all these different things are, are certainly big portions of the public consciousness. People already know about that. There's no real eye openers about it. 
I think that we've been uh, in a collective, not myself included, but I think a lot of people have been in a collective denial over just how big of a business college sports is because they want to maintain the thoughts of the purity of the game. But that said, it is a huge business. It's an essential business in a lot of ways. But from where we're sitting right now, Justin, in Missoula, Montana, the University of Montana specifically, we have seen basically the shutdown of all the revenue sports. The Lady Grizz, they ended up losing in the basketball tournament before the Big Sky tournament was canceled, but the Men Grizz never got a chance to play. Who knows? Maybe they earn an NCAA tournament bid. That's revenue for the school, for the league. Right now, Montana has not played a football game since last December, so that's revenue completely out the door. Just put it in perspective maybe how much this is impacting the University of Montana. I mean, how much do you think not having sports on campus is impacting just the the fabric of, of – campus culture, but also just the financials of it as well. Well, it affects us on so many levels. And I think like we should make clear that like, I'm not an official representative of Grizzly athletics or anything like that. I certainly know a lot of the folks over there and we have good relationship, but, but I'm not like an official communications channel of that arm of the university. Um, yeah. I mean, culture, you bring up so many, you, so many points there, right? Like, so First of all, you can think of it in terms of just plain revenue that these uh, that these sports bring in. And you know, you mentioned the three prominent revenue generators: the men's and women's basketball teams, and of course, the football teams. Well, you know, if we're not playing games, we're not getting revenue associated with the ticket revenue, right? We're not putting butts in seats, but we're also, to the extent that, that we get a little bit of TV revenue, um, you know, that's not here as well. You also got to think about like the impact on the local economy when all these people come into town to uh, to watch these games. They st- you know, a lot of them stay in hotels. They sort of check out you know local restaurants or a bar or you know shop on Main Street or whatever it is, right? And so those effects have have ripples as well. And it also has a cultural effect on the region. Um, a lot of people are you know they build their kind of fall, particularly around football. Um, and that kind of leaves a hole culturally. And on the flip side, it's not just the revenue piece. I mean, we, particularly a sport like football, you've got a big fixed cost structure associated with running a football team, right? A giant 26,000 foot, uh, 26,000 uh, seat stadium. Whether or not it's oper- you know, whether or not it has games going on in it, that's a big cost, right? And if you're not able to generate any revenue associated with that cost, that makes that takes a big hit on the toll of how a university can operate. You know, I can't speak to exactly how all the money kind of flows around, but you know, having a successful athletics program has spillover effects for the rest of the university. Sometimes that's in the fact that you know revenue generating sports can support the budgets of other sports that aren't revenue generating and some of the some of the sports you know probably track and field probably softball uh, women's soccer for example those don't generate as much revenue but we're able to have those programs because they can be helped out by some of the, the revenue producing units you also think about um, you know, if you have winning sports teams, that kind of contributes to a, a strong brand. And people want to buy into a strong brand. And one of the ways people buy into the strong brand is they enroll as students. Or 
if they're alums of the institution or just fans of the institution, they can contribute philanthropically to the institution. So if you don't have those sort of uh, pistons running in your engine, it's much harder to sustain uh, the business. Not that the, the university is entirely a business, but there are sort of important business aspects associated with it. Justin Angle joining us, business professor, professor at the University of Montana in our inaugural segment of The Business Angle with uh, Justin Angle. The, the, the premise that it, it's such a good marketing tool because of the fortification of the brand. Elaborate on that a little bit, Justin, because I, I do think that there's that was such a huge thing in college sports in the 90s and the 2000s. And I think that some schools have gravitated mm-hmm. even more toward it and some schools have gravitated away from it. You've seen the University of Montana, while still a huge brand when it comes to their sports, gravitate away from identifying themselves as this, this powerhouse sports school. Like they were all about identifying themselves like that in the 1990s and, and early 2000s, but was just broadly, not just University of Montana in general, but how much of an impact do you think winning sports teams and the fortification of that brand can have just on campus and the vibrance of it? Well, I mean that's a big question, Coulter. We've talked about this uh, before, the three of us, and we'll probably this will be a theme of our conversations. I mean. The place that athletics holds in the college education and the operation of a university system, I mean, that is, that's a, that's an interesting premise. And, you know, and I was a collegiate athlete. It was a huge part of my life, really important to me. Uh, I wouldn't trade that um, for anything really, but you know, the, the, the notion that, um, these athletic teams are such a big part of the operations uh, and, and sort of strategy of a university. We could talk about that. I mean, I think that's a debatable premise. Um, set that aside. Uh, yeah. I mean, we did an interview with coach Bobby Houck a year or so ago, and he used this phrase that I thought was really, really well put. He said, you know, for better, or for worse, the football team at the university of Montana is the welcome mat for the university. And for a lot of people, it's, it's, it's their first touch point. It's their main point of contact with the brand. And, um, yeah, that can provide a ton of benefits, particularly if you have a winning team that people are proud of and they want to see sort of feel a part of that community that can create a ton of positive effects. I mean, you look at, some of the universities in big-time collegiate football, the Alabamas, the Texases, the Michigans, those sorts of places that are perennial, the Notre Dames, the places that are perennially strong, their football teams, you see strong correlations between the success of the football team and enrollment in philanthropic uh, donations, um, et cetera. So it can be a powerful economic engine for the university. However, it's a risky bet, right? Because can your team win every year? Probably not. How long can it sustain success? How risky is that success? Um, if you build your image around uh, young college students, that's also a risky proposition uh, as, as we've seen here in Montana. Some of these young men and, and women got into, into trouble and that um, can cause negative implications for, for the brand and the institution as well. So it's, it's like anything really, like if you hitch your wagon to some entity that is in, inherently volatile, that can provide great benefits, but it, it comes at a risk as well. 
Justin, as we kind of wind down our time here on this first one, I just want to shift mm-hmm. for a moment into a sort of here and now reality, and that is the NCAA uh, granted a, a basically free year of eligibility to all spring uh, fall sports and now also to all winter sports uh, going around the corner. And so that means that a bunch of kids that would have been graduating or, or would have been done playing, I guess is how I should say it, are, are, are still have eligibility and still going to be on scholarship but could maybe go on into a graduate program. We spoke with Mac Anderson, in fact, at practice uh, the Grizzly men's basketball team uh, uh, this past week, and he said he he's at a spot now where he's excited because he thinks he's going to stick around and maybe pursue an MBA on an athletic scholarship that he's on with the university basketball team within the bounds of, like, say, the business school. Normally it would be on on the school to provide financial uh, aid if there was going to be that in the way of scholarship or an assistantship to graduate students. If you have students that are athletes, though, that are an athletic scholarship and now get this extra year and matriculate into some of the master's programs at the university, does that actually save money for the school, for like the business school, for instance? Well, potentially so, right? I mean, if we have a scholarship uh, that uh, we, we would ordinarily allocate to, um, you know, a, a student athlete who's finished up his or her eligibility, graduated, and just wants to stick around and get a master's, to, a master's degree and, and would earn that scholarship, the fact that that student athlete is continuing on scholarship and we can use that scholarship to pay for that student's tuition, that in turn frees up the scholarship that that student potentially would have consumed for another student. So it, it doesn't necessarily, like, it's not necessarily revenue positive for us. Like, it doesn't necessarily put more money in the I budget. I thought it was it a Justin up. Angle bonus is what <laughs> happened right there. <laughs> yeah, you guys said something about that when we set up the segment, <laughs> but uh, I, haven't, I haven't heard much about that. My accountant hasn't uh, notified me yet. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, it just creates... Um, you know, it, it creates great opportunities for those for those student athletes, and then there, yeah, there's spillover effects for uh, for other students that you know maybe they would have earned a scholarship, maybe they wouldn't have, but um, with more scholarships in the pool, that's great, and we have financial aid and, and opportunities to to create more um, more pathways for students to get these degrees. Yeah, I think I think it'll be a really interesting analysis when it's all said and done because I think you're going to see a significant jump in the number of student athletes yep. that end up getting graduate degrees while they're there as a result of this. I, I really do. I think it's going to spike right here, and that's a good thing. I think that's great. If, you know, if they if they can stick around and want to and are able to uh, you know pursue that, those graduate studies, I think that's fantastic. Uh, Justin, well, one of the nice oh, things. One of the just one of the nice things about that, Ryan, is that we've got a variety of programs, not just in the College of Business, but across the university right. that are kind of built around this fifth year model, right? Like you can get your undergraduate degree, tack on a fifth year and come out with a master's degree and a credential where you can, you know, walk into a better job and uh, start paying down that debt if you have any or whatever the case may be. It just creates more opportunities for students. So nice to see some positive um sort of uh, side effect associated with with the pandemic for some of these student-athletes. Absolutely. Uh, Justin Angle, boys and girls. The business angle is the name of the segment. We're going to do it every other Tuesday at about 4.30. I think we got a nice foundation laid for what people can expect here coming up, and we'll look forward to catching up with you two weeks uh, from today. Is there something going on on that day? Seems like there might be. We'll see uh, We'll see what happens then, but we'll look forward to catching up with you, uh, Justin, and doing this. It's going to be fun. Thanks so much for being here. 
Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. We'll uh, talk in two weeks. Justin Angle, professor of business at the University of Montana, business angle. It's a fun thing. Get a little, uh, you know, outside the outside the realms of what we normally do. It's fun, and obviously, a guy like that, he can he can break down it, break it down with the best of them when it comes to the money side of things. No question. Um, I don't want to be Mister Rain Cloud. Oh, brother! But but you, the, the, per, per what you guys are just talking about, there is there's there's uh, there's pros and cons of every situation. There is an opportunity here for a lot of individuals to become even more highly educated and maximize their extra time in college. Mm -hmm. This also has a a huge opportunity or or it could be hugely detrimental because of the cost to the school, to the school. Right, right. Because you have to raise money for scholarships. Money's got to come from somewhere. And so you're either going to have to make the decision to under recruit or not recruit at all an incoming class. If you want to keep every player on scholarship, for an extra year, like if you're Travis DeCure and you you don't you only have what two seniors on your team, Mike Stedman and, and Cam Satterwhite. Other than that, everybody is back and would be back, and even those guys can come back. Maybe you don't recruit at all because if everybody around the country recruits, it's going to have a huge impact on small school athletics just because they don't have the scholarship money to be able to do it. Montana, Montana State actually have much more fluid scholarship money than almost anybody else in the league. I got more to say. We'll do it after this break. Next. Coulter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the Wingate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space, because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the Wingate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings, you just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced, the Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan and you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet, the Wingate Inn also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's going be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. Welcome back to Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. We're really late here, no surprise. Grady Bennett coming up here in just a couple of minutes to talk to us, head coach of the Glacier Wolfpack uh, for our coach's corner. So I'm going to just put this as briefly and succinctly as I can, just as an addition to what you're saying. Trying to figure out what to do with scholarships is, on one hand, a very naughty issue. It's very multifaceted in this instance. But also, there's a level at which if you take a basketball team, you got 13 scholarships, right? If everybody stays, you just don't have to recruit anybody. You just keep going. And maybe if you find a kid or two that you think is just great, that you absolutely got to have, you bring them in. And obviously that means that somebody that you currently have on your team is not going to be on scholarship any longer. And you're going to have to make that tough call, which you have to make basically every year anyway. But I think what's actually going to happen, especially in football, 
is the senior high school class and the junior high school class right now are going to get recruited as one class. Hmm. And there's going to be kids who are going to never get a college shot because they they weren't in the top half of what it was. But basically, if you're going to say get 20 kids in a, in a given incoming class, you're going to take 20 kids out of two graduating high school classes, which, you know, call it 10 apiece. It, 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 to, just to make it clean, obviously, it's not going to be exactly that because guys aren't some guys won't come back or won't, you know, will move on to different things that they got going on. But the guys that stick around are basically just going to push everything out. That's what I think is going to happen. Very interesting scenario. I look forward to talking with with all the coach, any coach about this right now, because this is this is a an interesting situation that we are in with the, with with everybody getting a free year. Yeah, I mean. In football right now, it's Bobby Houck's made it very clear that he is recruiting basically off the transfer wire, out of the transfer portal, and in the city of Missoula. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. Yeah. And I think it's a good strategy, given these times, because you don't yeah. want to waste resources. You can't like really go out and go anywhere anyways. Like, there's, no point, there's no point in Bobby Houck sending coaches to Washington right now, because you can't... There's no games to watch. Right. You're not scouting anything. Right. And it's also precarious, probably not great for branding to be going into high schools that are operating at significantly reduced, if not negligible capacity yeah. right now. And so, you know, like what, look at Montana State, even that, that's why Choate is so incredible. He's got, he's found the tactful avenues in which you can recruit at this time. He's recruiting from the high schools he used to coach at in Idaho. He's recruiting from Montana because that's what Montana State and Montana both put top priority on. Sure. And, uh, he brought the top guys that Jimmy Beal was recruiting when Jimmy Beal was at Northern Arizona. And now they got three commits for Arizona. There yeah, it is. Yeah. Now that's how you get 17 commits in a pandemic year. Hour one of the books, hour two straight ahead, our coach's corner. Glacier Wolfpack head football coach, Grady Bennett, his 5-1 and one Wolfpack, playing the undefeated 6-0 and oh Sentinel Spartans this Friday, the last game of the regular season. Going to be a great one. We'll talk with him next. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 